Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. So, hope you guys are doing well. I am doing fine. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. So, I got, um, I think I got a pretty good episode for you guys. Uh, obviously, we're going to be covering football, NFL, college football for sure. Um, I, I'm, I want to get more on the MAU Doka story. I'm I'm really trying to set up a guest. I want to have a guest, a probably an NBA reporter come on and talk about uh the MAU Doka situation a little bit more in depthly and give us a little bit more details. But NBA training camp has started. Preseason uh is literally right around the corner. So NBA season is gonna be riled up. But uh we are we are getting closer into October. So we're getting in the midst of the NFL season. So I know a lot of people, a lot of you guys want NFL talk. You want NFL. You want football content. So that's what I'm going to get you guys. I hope you guys are doing fine. I'm doing well. Shouts out to everybody listening. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. If you're a first-time listener of this podcast, thank you. Thank you. You could have chose any other podcast. You could have chose any other place, thing to listen to. You can't even listen to me. Shouts out to all the regular listeners. So, um... Let's get into it. And I want to start with the undefeated teams in the NFL we have left. The two remaining, the two, the only two remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. And last week, I, I feel like I say certain things. And even myself, I kind of overlook what I actually say. But then I go back and listen. And I'm like, oh, I actually said that. And last week on my previous episode, I gave you guys, I unveiled my first top 10 teams list of the season after week three going, well, after week two going into week three. And I had both the Dolphins and the Eagles in my top 10. And I had, you, I had said, like I said, the Dolphins and the Eagles and the Eagles are very, very similar. I said that. I said they're very similar. Now, I said that, and I knew what I was saying at that moment, but I think now after another week where these teams, they both are coming off of pretty impressive division wins, um, and I think my comparison and their similarities, I think it holds more truth. I think it holds more weight, Um, and a lot of people – I can get into the reasons why I think they're similar. The Dolphins and Eagles, both over the past couple of years, have had a lot of draft capital, um, a lot of, I would say, dysfunction. Like, you think back to the Eagles a couple of years ago. I was talking about Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson and so forth and the whole Jalen Hurts situation. The Dolphins, we've been talking about Tua and what they should do with Tua and Brian Flores, that whole situation. And now we find ourselves here with both teams sitting undefeated, 3-0. Granted, it's still very, very much early in the season, but I think we can we, – I think all of us can see that these teams are pretty good. Now, whether or not they're legit contenders and they're – going like, like, can they actually – win multiple playoff games in their respective conferences, that remains to be seen. But I think it's fair enough to say 
after three games, like I said, despite it's a small sample size, both of these teams have what it takes to be playoff teams. These are definitely playoff teams. These look like playoff teams the first month of football. Now, that's like I said, not really saying much. Miami has a couple impressive victories. A lot of people would argue that Philadelphia really doesn't have a, a, like an impressive victory. They beat Detroit. Detroit, they're Detroit. They're, 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 they're a lot better than what they have been over the past few years, but they're still Detroit. Um, Philly beat Washington. <laughs> Philly's been beating Washington the last couple of times they've seen them. Um, and then they beat Minnesota. They beat Minnesota on Monday Night Football. And a lot of people are still kind of like, uh, Minnesota first year head coach. We know what Kirk Cousins is, and that defense is atrocious. So, still some questions there with Philadelphia, um, in terms of their schedule scheduling. But here's why both teams are really similar, and I think they have they have the recipe and the tools for success. First, both they both Philadelphia and Miami. They have young, offensive-minded coaches. Young, offensive-minded coaches. Now, both of these coaches, I've had my questions about. Because, granted, first years. Um, Nick Sirianni, his first year was last year. He's going, he's in his second year. But Mike McDaniel, he's in his first year. But with Nick Sirianni, I had my questions. I'm like, uh, how much of the play calling did he really do in Indianapolis? Frank Wright. A lot of people we look at Frank Wright as an offensive, as an offensive, a brilliant offensive mind, but we didn't really know what we were getting from Nick Sirianni. So move on. Nick Sirianni gets the gets the head coaching job in Philadelphia. And even last year, they got off to a shaky start, but to end the year, they found an identity. They weren't necessarily explosive or over the top great. But they found an identity, and, I, and that identity was we're going to be physical and we're going to run the football. That's what they have been ever since now. Now, to this point, they have better offensive weapons, so they can do more. They can do more. They can do a bit more offensively. They're a little bit more versatile than what they was last year with Miami. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel comes under the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. So with that, I definitely had my questions this offseason. And I'm like, okay, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins, I'm glad they went in an offensive mindset. They they went in, they went out and hired an offensive head coach, um, or, or I should say an offensive-minded coach to become their head coach. But how much of the play calling did he really do in San Francisco? How much is Kyle Shanahan going to rub off on Mike McDaniel? Granted. Like I said, very early on, but Mike McDaniel has done a pretty good job, and he has some wins versus some some pretty impressive head coaches. So that's that. Then another similarity that these that these teams have: quarterbacks start that are in the prove it phase. Both teams have quarterbacks who are in the prove it phase. With Jalen Hurts. A lot of people gave a lot of people pick Philadelphia to win the division this year before the season started because we looked at their roster. We we're like, oh, we look up and down Philadelphia's roster, and we're like, they should definitely win this division. They they are definitely the better team. But a lot of people's concerns about picking Philadelphia or 
um, or going all the way on the Philadelphia bandwagon was Jalen Hurts, his inconsistent um, play as a thrower, his inconsistency as a thrower, as a high-volume thrower, that was the question mark. Up until this point, thus far, he's looked really good. I think according to PFF, he's been rated the highest-graded passer this year throughout the first three weeks. So thus far, he has improved vastly and he's making some he's been making some great big time throws um now granted like i said small sample size but thus far he has improved and he looks really 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 good um with tua and the dolphins tua is also you know kind of in that prove phase where the dolphins went out and got him weapons they got him an offensive minded coach they upgraded left tackle they got him uh Two really, really explosive receivers. Um, and then he has some other toys to play with, like Mike Jacecki at tight end. So a lot of this, a lot of the conversation around Tua coming is like, okay, this is the year where Tua needs to pop. He needs to pop because you're looking at all the other quarterbacks in the AFC, especially in the AFC, so many young, dynamic, talented quarterbacks. If Miami, Miami, you got to figure out if you have the guy. If you don't have the guy, you got to make a move really really soon because at the AFC nobody's waiting so both quarterbacks both teams have quarterbacks that are in the proven phase thus far this year they, they their quarterbacks have played well I think that's one of the reasons one of the major reasons as to why both teams are three and no another similarity that both teams have very talented receivers slash pass catchers Philadelphia and Miami both like a couple years ago, were really devoid of explosive playmakers, guys that can beat you over the top. Now they have plenty of that. Philadelphia, they, I mean, we used to bang on the Eagles because they passed up on so many really good receivers. Now they have explosive receivers that can do a lot that are really, really explosive. Same with Miami. Miami, they were a couple years ago, they were kind of devoid of guys that could really separate, guys that can really beat you over the top. They have that now in Jalen Wallow. They have that now in Tyreek Hill. They got they also have Cedric Wilson. They also have Mike Jacecki. They have some both teams have really, really talented pass catchers slash receivers. And then last but not least, both teams have experienced and capable defenses. Both teams, experienced and capable defenses. Mind you, Miami's whole culture under Brian Flores was very, very heavily relied and anchored upon their defense. They won a lot of games because of their defense. Some of those same remnants and some, some of those same ingredients and some of those same players are still there and really experienced and, and capable. I'm not saying these defenses are elite. Um, but they're really capable. And with Philadelphia, they have, I feel like Philadelphia has a star probably at every level of their defense. I'm talking about Fletcher Cox. Then you look at the linebackers, the, the linebacker core that they have. It's a really solid linebacker core. Then you have Darius Slay. When Darius Slay is healthy, he can be a premier shutdown corner as he's been displaying so far. So those are just some similarities between the Eagles and the um, Dolphins. And I think 
I mentioned it, like I said, I mentioned it last week in my top 10 without even quite fully knowing what I was saying. But then I look back at it, I'm like, these teams do have a lot of similarities. I do think Philadelphia, right as of right now, they look like the best team in the NFC. That's not saying much um, three weeks in. It's not saying much. You don't get rewarded. You don't win anything in September. But they look really good. And as far as the Dolphins go, I granted they beat Buffalo this past week. I'm still not sure if they're like the best team in the AFCs. I don't think so. I, th- I think that still remains in Buffalo. But I do think the Dolphins are certainly a playoff caliber team. Could they win a playoff game? Maybe. Could they win multiple playoff games? I'm not sure. I'm not ready to go that far. But both teams look really, really bound to be playing in playoff football. So I say all that to say that's my first big comparison. You guys know I love drawing comparisons. You guys know I love, um, you know, connecting dots and finding trends. And that's just my first comparison, my first big comparison of the year where I look at I looked at both teams and I'm like they're in separate conferences. They both had young offensive minded coaches, quarterbacks that's in the prove it phase, talented pass catchers for their quarterbacks that's in the prove it phase, and then capable and experienced defenses. I'm like, yeah, both of these teams are identical and they're built very they're they're built the same. They're built the same. Uh, and both of these guys went to Alabama. It's, it's funny. Um, we usually make the joke like Alabama quarterbacks don't work out, which they haven't. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jalen Hurts and Tua Tonga-Valoa. But they, they're they off to really, really good starts to the season. Congratulations to them. But like I said, you don't win anything in September. But um, that's my first big comparison this year. You guys know I love comparisons. You know I love trends finding trends, creating trends, finding outliers. This is my first big comparison. Eagles, Dolphins. And I think this is a good segue um, to get into my top 10 teams list of the week. My top 10 teams, my weekly list. I do this. um, I've been doing this ever since I've been covering the NFL, my podcast. Um, so it's just it's just a weekly tradition. You guys know how we get down. Uh, I take a lot of pride. I, I spend a lot of time on my top ten list. So um, I know last week I said it's really hard for me to, you know, move teams out of my top five. Well, damn, I was wrong. Uh, there's a couple teams on here or not on here, I should say, that was on my top ten list. I had to move them down because of certain losses, um, injuries. I'm a, I'm I'm really prone. It's not you can lose a game, but if you have a, a like if you have like a significant amount of injuries, I have to move you. So a team like the 49ers, they lost Trent Williams, big time loss. They're gonna be losing him for um, at least a month. They're gonna be they're gonna lose. They're gonna be missing him for a while. And then the team, a team like the Chargers, they just have way, way too many injuries. So I had to get, had to remove those teams off of here. Um, like you guys know, a team like the 49ers, I think they have a championship caliber roster. But as of right now, the way I, the way I seen them look, the the way they looked versus Denver, who isn't all that great right now, and with the loss of Trent Williams, um, and 
offensive line being a bit shaky, I had to move, had to remove them off my top ten. But I granted, you guys know, I think the 49ers are really, really good. I think the Chargers, when healthy, can be really, really good. But I had to remove those two teams. So let's get into it. My top ten teams list. I know you guys are ready for it. So at ten, I have the Green Bay Packers. Now I'm not too fond of the Packers. Uh, I'm not particularly high on this team. I'm not at all. Um, but I always thought they would find ways to win games this year. Uh, I think they they I think they're gonna win their division. Um, I think Minnesota. It's gonna be a really really close race between Green Bay and Minnesota. Um, but with Green Bay, their defense really, really sets the tone for this team. Um, they're because they're not really explosive. They're great. This Packer team, they're not going to beat you 34 to 30. They're not going to be able to score 30 and 40 points week in, week out. They're just not, they're just not explosive enough. They don't have the weapons. Um, Aaron, now obviously Aaron Rodgers is great. And he'd be good enough to suffice you offensively, along with Aaron Jones and so forth. Um, you know Corey Dillon, but I mean AJ Dillon, excuse me. But looking at what this team's bread and butter is going to be and what their identity is, it, it it's more of a defensive identity more than a offensive team. Uh, where they get score a bunch of points, no. That's just not what they are. That's just that's they can't do that. They simply cannot do that. Um, this Tampa Bay win was a prime example. Uh, so I got Green Bay at ten. Like I said, not particularly high on them, but I give them hey, got a great defense, and you got Aaron Rodgers. I give them the tenth spot. At nine, I have the Vikings. I keep the Vikings at nine here momentarily. Um. Their schedule does lighten up a little bit, so let's see if they can take advantage of the lighter schedule that they have coming up, the light schedule they have coming up. But their defense is a big, big issue. I will be lying to you guys if I didn't if I didn't tell you like their defense their defense gives up four hundred plus yards per game, way, 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 way too much. But I have them at nine. I'm going to keep them at nine. Like I said, their schedule lightens up. Um, Minnesota can score a lot of points. They're really explosive on the offensive side of the football, but in terms of their defense and more so in the secondary, they are very, very susceptible to giving up big, big plays, big chunk plays. That was part of the problem last year, but I keep Minnesota at nine. They did beat Green Bay too. So I keep the Vikings at nine. At eight, I got the Bengals. I had the Bengals. Maybe, maybe they got they got their first win of the season. I think they'll be fine. They do have, surprisingly enough, I looked at it. They have a top 10 scoring defense. They have a top 10 scoring defense. And Joe Burrow over the past two games, two and a half games, I will say, he's been playing a lot better. They have to they have to clean up the turnovers and the mistakes and try to run the ball a little bit more effectively. But I think Cincinnati, I think they're gonna be fine. Now their schedule. They got some. They got a tough one. They got Miami on Thursday night football, and then the following week they got the Baltimore Ravens. So time will tell if since if I'm too high on Cincinnati, but right now I have them at eight. I think that's a little. I think that's appropriate. I got Cincinnati at eight. At seven, I have the Buccaneers. You know they're not healthy right now. 
I, I, that's why it's really hard for me because I, I was trying to figure out, should I keep the 49ers and remove the Buccaneers or remove the Buccaneers and keep uh, or or remove the 49ers and keep the Bucs? I chose to keep the Bucs due to I think their defense is playing a little bit better than San Francisco's. Um, I think and I also think. I believe in Tom Brady more than I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's that's just I'm just gonna put it like that. I believe in if, I, if they play if Bucks 49ers played in the game and it came down to me choosing Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of us is gonna choose Tom Brady. So uh, almost all of us, but they're just not healthy. Like they played Green Bay, didn't have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, or Julio Jones. So you take away Tom Brady's top three receiving targets. I mean, what do you expect? Green Bay has a really good defense. Aaron Rodgers is going to be – he's going to be Aaron Rodgers enough where he can, suffi- he, can, he can suffice and put up enough points to overcome a Tampa Bay team. Now, granted, they're not healthy, but they have the best scoring defense in the NFL and the most takeaways in the NFL. They just got to get healthy. I think Tampa Bay got to get healthy. I, th- I would have them probably – as they get healthy and as the season continues, I probably would have them higher on this list but they just got to they got to get healthy. Their defense is always looking good though. Their defense already is looking good under Todd Bowles. Um okay, at 6, I have the Rams. Like I, I you know, it's been real shaky throughout this list, but the Rams, I may have them a little too high. I think if I had to do, if I had to describe, if I had to use one word to describe the Rams start to the season, it would be sloppy. They have been very, very sloppy. Um, the play has been choppy. They uh, they have seven turnovers in three games. Now I give you the I, I give them this. They have continued their dominant success versus Kyla Mary and the Cardinals offense. They they have the perfect scheme and personnel to really, really shut down and put the clamps on Kyla Mary. And that Cardinals offense, so they they once again continue to do that. They did it once again, but they have a real issue at left tackle, which I think is a problem. They're still missing some weapons, um, like Vance Jefferson. He's gonna be out for another month at least. Um, so 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 far, I think a lot of their you know so far you know the first three weeks it's been about coaching and culture. Sean McVay, there's been some really good coaching. And I think their culture had their coaching and culture has got them their wins the first three weeks. I think outside of that, there's not really much to be impressed about with this Rams team. I just think we all know like how good they can be. We know how good the Rams can be. We know they're defending champs. So you got to respect that. But if I had to use one word to describe the Rams so far in their first three games, it would be sloppy. But I know how good they can be. Rams at six. At five, I got the Dolphins. They're undefeated. They're the only undefeated team in the AF in the AFC. Two in the last twelve games. We we talk about Tua all we want and how we think he's average and so forth. Not the strongest arm. We use all these things, and I I'm I'm a victim of it. Um, or I'm guilty of it, I should say. But last twelve games, Tua eleven and one. The Dolphins are eleven and one with Tua in the last twelve games. So. He's winning games. He's winning games. And with the upgrade at receiver, he's looked pretty damn good. 
Tua, Tua has looked pretty damn good with the upgrade at receiver. So we'll see. Now, like I said, as I mentioned already, they play the, the Bengals and the Dolphins play Thursday night football. So that should be a really, really interesting matchup. Something has to give. But Miami, they look really solid. Um, They look like a playoff team. We'll see how it continues. Dolphins at five. At four. I have the Baltimore Ravens. Yep, I have the Ravens. I think they're really good. I think they can be really, really good. They're still struggling on the back end of that secondary. It's really, really young. Now, this past week, that secondary made a couple big plays to really close out and finish the win versus the Patriots last week. But honestly, the story for the Ravens this over the first three games have been their offense. Lamar Jackson, 12 total touchdowns. That's the most in NFL. Number one scoring offense. Lamar leads the NFL and also in pass rating. So offensively, they are getting it done. And um, J.K. Dobbins, he when he gets back, he's they're missing J.K. Dobbins. When he gets back, he he's a monster. He's a monster. And he, what he can do in the passing game, coming out of the backfield and catching passes, and then as a runner in this style of awesome, offense, I think it just opens the floodgates for the Ravens offensively. But they look really, really good. I think they're a good team. And with the Ravens, they do a lot well. Like like Baltimore, they do a lot well. A lot of teams can't say that. So I got the Ravens at four. At three, I still have the Chiefs. Um, their loss to Indianapolis, if you really, if you really think about it, special teams lost them that game. Um, they had a block, they had a block punt, they had a couple missed kicks. Um, they blew a field goal opportunity with a, I mean, they, instead of taking the field goal, they faked the field goal and blew the field goal opportunity. So you just look at it. They wiped away so many points due to their special teams. I just think their special teams, it, 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 you know, really lost in that game. Now, get this. They have the best sack differential in football, and also they have a top three scoring offense. So not surprising there. Offense is still looking really good, but they're able to get to the quarterback. You guys know what I say um, when I'm talking about the Dolphins, when I'm talking about teams and championship caliber teams. Protect your quarterback. Make the other team's quarterback uncomfortable. That that That's all I preach. Make your quarterback comfortable. Make the opposing team quarterback uncomfortable. That's what the Chiefs have been doing so far. Um, at at two, I have the Eagles. I have the Eagles at two. Now, this is a big play offense. Number one, uh, no, number one total offense. And they get this. This is the big. This is a really really big stat. Two big stats. They're converting on almost forty nine percent of their third downs. That's almost fifty percent. They're almost converting on half of their third downs. That's important because you're extending drives, you're wearing out the defense, and you're giving your defense a breather as well. But then also Hurts, Hurts leads the football, leads the NFL in pass yards per attempt, passing passing yards per attempt. So he's not just dinking and dunking and his completion percentage. No, no, no. Jalen Hurts is taking shots down the field. He has burners. He's making some really, really deep contested throws, some big boy throws. And that is why he leads the league in passing yards per attempt because he's making some big boy throws. He's taking shots. He's This is a big play offense. 
the Eagles are really scary. Um, and as I was talking about offense D-line, uh, or O-line D-line, I should say, the Eagles, in my opinion, my estimate, the first three games, just the first three games, they look like they have the best combination of offensive line and defensive line in the NFL. So that goes back to my point. Making uh, the opposing team's quarterback uncomfortable and making sure that your quarterback is comfortable. The Eagles, I think the Eagles really do that the best right now at this moment. They got the best, they had the best combination of offensive line and defensive line. Eagles at two. And at number one, yes, I still have the Bills. Granted, they lost to the Dolphins, a pretty good Dolphins team. I still think the Bills are still the cream of the crop in the NFL um, throughout the league. I just look at their roster up and down their roster, and I'm like, they they have they have the best roster. They have the best roster in football. And I just look at they got the best point differential in, in football. Um, and get this, they were missing three defensive starters last week versus Miami. So in the Miami Heat and the Miami weather. Missing, you know, being thin in depth, you know, it's not gonna, it's, it's not gonna really fare well for you. But I still have Buffalo at one despite the loss. With me, with me, it's not about, you know, there's a lot of power rankings like, hey, if you lose a game, you go down. And granted, depending on how you lose and who you lose to, I, I, I do move teams down and I do put teams lower on my rankings. But in my rankings. I try to not like hold losses. It depends on how you lose. Um, like Tampa Bay. I still have Tampa Bay in my top 10. I have them higher than Green Bay because I'm like, well, Tampa Bay, they lost to Green Bay by two points and they didn't have their top three receivers. And I know that just that, that comes with the game, but I just try to contextualize it when doing these power rankings. So like, yeah, I know Tampa Bay lost. I know they lost, but they were missing three of their top three receivers. They were missing three of their top three receivers and have injuries all across the offensive line. And they're st- they still find a way to be two and one and almost beat Green Bay. That's how I look at it. Not, you know, that's how I look at it. I mean, Baltimore, um, I still have them pretty high, and they lost to the Dolphins in a weird way, a weird fashion to lose. But I still have them high. Um that's just how that's just how I do it. I think you gotta have you gotta be able to contextualize certain things and so forth. But granted, I got some college football talk I want to get to. Um, so many upsets, so many upsets, and I'm gonna explain why I think it's difficult to win week in week out in college football if you're not certain teams. I'm gonna get into that. I think that's a really big thing because got some upsets. And I know we love college football, and I know I, I like a couple teams um, that could be prone or susceptible to an upset in the next coming weeks. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that the next segment. All right, so let's shift to college football. Um, I know a lot of people they love when I do college football content. And sometimes I'm able to, you know, deliver it and talk about it and so forth, um, especially when it gets closer to college football playoff time. But you guys know I've been real, real vocal on Lincoln Rally and USC and Texas and the whole NI, the whole NIL situation and how I think 
with the realignment of college football, different big time major programs going to one conference to the other, I think college football is going to look a lot different than what it does this year and what it has looked like over the past several years in recent memory, right? And with so many upsets, college football is always about upsets. And that's why we, that's a big reason and a big part as to why we love college football so much and why we watch it so much. And I know Kansas State, they had a big time victory over Oklahoma. Um, Notre Dame has lost a couple games this year. Uh, Clemson and Wake Forest, they played in a really, really nail-biting, high-scoring, high-octane offensive type of game this past weekend. Um, and you, like I said, you guys know I'm really, really high on USC, and we can go through their schedule. I think obviously their biggest test is probably uh, the biggest test of the season is probably going to be versus Utah, because Utah can present some problems that not really any other Pac-12 team can present, and that's being physically more physically dominant up front than USC. Um, and that's what that's kind of what Utah has been able to do over the past several years in the Pac-12 is just be more physical up front. And that's how they have, you know, that's how they have, have experienced so much success. Um, such a good program, too, with Utah. But I know a lot of people and some people ask me, like, why why is it difficult for these schools to win win it you know every week win in win out every week and obviously like competition like upsets any given saturday that whole type of thing but there's just so many upsets where Tulane beat Kansas State, but then Kansas State the following week beats Oklahoma. Oklahoma came off a big time win versus Nebraska. So we're like, wow, they look they look really good. And here's the thing. I think with college football today, currently, not talking about three, five years from now, but just right now, living in the moment of college football and throughout the past several years. If you're not Bama, Ohio State, or Georgia, you are very much susceptible to losing any given week. Now, I I, I name those three schools because um, over the last eight years, let's just say, let's just use that as a, a a benchmark. But over the last eight years since the college football playoff has started. Those three schools have been a constant shoe-in in the college football playoff. Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. Like, year in, year out, they have been a constant shoe-in. And ultimately, you look at the the you look at the, the level quality players that they have been able to get, the championships they have won, the winning at the, the you know, the level they do at the winning that they do, at the rate that they that they do. These are the top three programs, and then there's everybody else in college football. And then Bama, Georgia, like, they've just been going back and forth, and then Ohio State sometimes sneaks in there. But these are definitively the three best programs in college football. And they really, really – I don't think you guys understand 
they really separate themselves. To get to put it in a better perspective, here it is. Okay. Think about it like this. 34 to 30, there's about 34 to 38 five-star players on a yearly basis. On a in a recruiting cycle, in a yearly basis, there's about 34 to 38 five-star players per year. As I already stated, since the college football playoff has begun eight years ago, those three programs that I mentioned, Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, they have gotten 35% of the five-star players in the last eight years. Think about that. The last 30, the last eight years, they have, those three schools have gotten 35%. And you're probably like, oh, that's not a lot. But it's a lot when it's that that that's a huge percentage of the players when there's 130 schools and three of them are getting 35%. Three. Three schools are getting 35% of the five-star players. Mind you, there's only about on a yearly basis, about 34 to 38 five-star players the high end is probably 40 but on average it's anywhere between 34 38 and you think that's astronomical look at this just last year in 2021 these three programs bama georgia ohio state they had over half of the five-star players from last year bama georgia and ohio state just in the, the last recruiting cycle, they had over half of the five-star players. Half. So when it comes to if you're not Bama, Georgia, or Ohio State, you're susceptible to losing any given week because the talent disparity is not as wide as you would think. So the talent disparity between a program like the Michigans, the USC's, um, like the, the talent disparity between Michigan and Clemson and USC is much closer than what you think. Like you can take USC, right? And you can look at um, their composite score. And then you can look at a random school. I don't know, like a. I don't know, a random. Just take any random school and look at their composite score and match it up versus USC. USC, I think their composite score or their ranking was 11th. So get this. Their ranking, USC's ranking composite score was rated 11th this year, coming into this year. You can take any school that's ranked between 40 and 70. Their composite, their composite score is as wide as it is to Alabama and USC. So the talent disparity between Alabama and USC is the same talent disparity between a USC and any school between anywhere between 40 and 60. 
So like Bama, that's how that's that's how far away and how astronomical and far away Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia has separated themselves. Like I think the the I think the next closest schools, the two closest schools to um to those three high end schools, is Clemson and Texas A and M. Clemson and Texas A and M, they're the they're the two closest to Bama, Ohio State, and um, Georgia in terms of their composite score and their talent disparity. But even with them being the the two closest schools they are still closer in terms of their composite score and the talent disparity. They're still closer to the field than they are actually Georgia, Bama, and Ohio State. They're just they're just the next two schools up. But if you look at their scores and you look at the talent disparity on their rosters, they're closer to the field than they are Georgia and Bama and Ohio State. So I just want to get you guys to understand. I want you guys to first understand that Georgia, Bama, Ohio State have clearly separated themselves from the rest of the pack in terms of talent and just having just having talent all up across the roster. So they just so other schools just line it up. They just don't line up. They just don't the, 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 the talent disparity is too wide. But then also, I think we forget with college football, we watch so many individual like individually like dominated sports like in basketball all it takes is for one player that could change the the direction of a program or a franchise in baseball a pitcher can be lights out and be dominant and you can win i think with football it's really difficult football can be very difficult and at times i think we put some we put some really high in unrealistic expectations on certain programs on a year-to-year basis. For years, I swear, for years, I had to convince Michigan fans that Jim Harbaugh was not a bad coach. I think I think it's now understandable a little bit because Michigan has a high academic standard that they have to withhold so they can't bring in the amount of blue chippers that Ohio State can. And as I already explained, Ohio State is in that same class with Georgia and Bama in terms of the five-star players and, and, and the talent that they're getting in year in, year out. So to, to expect a program like Michigan, Michigan has a lot of prestige. Michigan is a really, really big college football brand. But to expect that Michigan is going to be on the same level year in, year out as Ohio State, it's just it's just like, well, why are we even having this argument? Why are we even having this argument? Like, why are we even talking about this? Now, you have years like last year where Michigan is just better than Ohio State. And a lot of that was a lot of that was wasn't so it wasn't that Michigan had better skill players. Michigan was tougher up front. They were Michigan was better in the trenches. They were better in the trenches, but in terms of skill, skill position at like receiver and quarterback and DB and like Ohio State still has the edge. 
Ohio State still has the edge. Even even when Michigan is better, quote unquote, and even when Michigan is able to beat Ohio State, they still, Ohio State still has the advantage at the skill position. So I think I think we put a lot of unrealistic and very high expectations and we set the bar for certain programs like a Michigan and a USC. That's why I I had you at USC looks really good this year. They started off the year 4-0. They sit at, at number 6. They ranked at number 6 in the country. But I didn't think I I predicted them I predicted them to go 9 and 3 because up front I still think they lack a little bit up front in the trenches. And I looked at Utah being a really physical team, a physically imposing team. UCLA can be physically imposing. And Notre Dame can be physically imposing. So those are kind of – those are my three losses. Where I, those are the three games where I looked at and I'm like, that is a really good chance. USC can lose these games because these teams can be – like these teams can out-physical them. Um, now, as I told you guys, in terms of skill position – with the amount of transfers and the way how Lincoln Rally can recruit, USC is already tops. They're all, they're like they're like in terms of skill position, they're top five. Like quarterback, running back, receiver, pass catchers, they're they're top five in the country when it when it comes to that. So it's not about it's not about the the pass catchers and the receivers and the, and the like. No, no, it's the play up front that really separates Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State on a year-to-year basis. And that's why that's 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 all I was saying with Jim Harbaugh. For years, people would cr- cr- I mean they would crucify Jim Harbaugh because he couldn't beat Ohio State. And I'm like, well, who else can who else can beat Ohio State outside of Alabama and Georgia on a on a yearly basis? Nobody. Nobody really. Now granted you know, the losses to Michigan State and Penn State, okay, that's a fair point. But I think we look at certain programs and we 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 just we put the we set the bar so high. Like Texas, we set the bar so high. They had a oh, that, that was another upset. Texas Tech went Texas Tech beat Texas. We set the bar so high for these programs. You gotta remember, these are 18, 19, 20, 22 year olds. They're kids. They're prone to make mistakes. And like I said, with football, it's so difficult because different schemes, schematics, everything has to be on one accord. It doesn't have to necessarily be like that in football. I mean, in basketball, where like you can have one or two guys, they can dominate and you could be okay. Baseball, you can have a great dugout. You can have a great, you can have great pitching. And you can still be really good. In football, you have to have literally kind of the total, like the total package. And you have you 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 have to have the total pack. Like the coaching, culture, quarterback play matters now. Quarterback play matters more than ever. You got to be able to be explosive, certain skill position. Obviously, you got to have balance on the defensive side of the football. It it just it just comes with a lot. And if you're not those three programs. 
you are susceptible to a random loss any given week due to these things. You got to be disciplined. You got to have execution. Even when you had the better players. There, I mean, USC, they went into Oregon State. Oregon State, they're building something. They're building a nice culture in Oregon State. Oregon State is really also another tough place to play at. Another atmosphere that's really hard to match. USC, they went into Oregon State, and that was a game that I wanted. To, like, they really, really did a good job. And those are the type of games that builds team chemistry because a lot of those guys are like, okay, we got Caleb Williams. We got Jordan Addison. We got the Blip McCall winner. Like, we got stars on offense, so we're just going to ride our stars. But it was a really good sight. It was a sight. It was a really good sight to see that defense really keep USC in the game. And then, obviously, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, they come alive, and they have the game-winning touchdown. And But the defense ended the game with another pick. So it was really good to see USC win a game where it was tough, it was 17-14, wasn't necessarily an offensive fireworks show. It was a really good sight to see. But people ask me from time to time, how good, like, how good are certain programs and why are teams, like, how, how do these teams randomly lose? How do these ranked teams randomly lose? And I think, like I said, we look at these top 10 teams or the rest of the top 10 teams, and we expect them to beat people how Georgia, Ohio State, and, and Alabama beat these other teams. Like, no, you can't expect for Michigan and USC and, and, and Clemson to beat people like Bama and Georgia and Ohio State does because the talent disparity is night and day. To put it in perspective, for this is a I I rarely use golf analogies, but this is a this is the one golf analogy I will use. Tiger Woods in his prime. Tiger Woods in his prime, it was Tiger Woods in his own separate category, and then everybody else. So it was like everybody else competing with each other, and then Tiger Woods. Well, in college football, think about it like this: we have about three Tiger Woods where it's Bama, Alabama, and Georgia, and then literally everybody else. Everybody else has to fend for themselves. Everybody else is literally the talent disparity. is like, uh, it's they, like, obviously Michigan is more talented than Maryland. Grant, like, because Michigan had a tough win versus Maryland. But the talent disparity between Michigan and Maryland and Alabama and Michigan it's much closer with Michigan and Maryland than it is with Alabama, Michigan. <laughs> like that's just, that's just the way we look at it. And um, you can, all of this is found. You can find this in 24, two, four, seven sports. You can look at different composite scores for different schools. Um, but that is the big reason as to why the NIL is huge because this gap this margin, this separation, this disparity that has been created with Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State possibly could be, it, it, it could be, it, it's not going to be as wide 
it's not going to be as wide with NIL because USC eventually is going to catch up. Texas eventually is going to catch up, we think. But USC looks like they are rolling under Lincoln Rally. Look like they're rolling. But um, I just thought I'd give you guys that. That that's you know, I love I love to get into college football more when you guys ask. But um, yeah, that's that's what it is. These three programs have really separated themselves from the rest of the pack. And I think to ask and to have these high expectations for other programs within the top 10, let's just say the top 10, like the rest of the schools in the top 10, to have these so these super high aspirations, it's a little unfair. And if you look at the top three right now in the country, it's Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. And clearly, clearly, they are the cream of the crop. But you can't ask Michigan to dominate their opponents like Alabama do. You can't ask Oklahoma State to dominate their opponents like Georgia do because the talent that Georgia has on Oklahoma State, they don't near they don't nearly have that same talent. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State is a really good program, really good program, and they're really good this year. But they don't nearly have the talent like a Georgia. And then with like I said with USC, the thing with USC is it's not so much they don't USC, they have talent in terms of the skill position. But in terms of in the trenches, I don't know if they can match a Alabama, a Georgia quite at this moment. I don't know. I don't think they can match up in the trenches with Bama and Georgia at this moment. That could change in the next coming years. But at this moment, Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State have really clearly separated themselves. And it's them and everybody else. So that's why you see so many teams susceptible to upset because the talent disparity is not as wide as you think. Outside of the top three, outside of the top three, when you look at, you know, the Michigans, Michigan played a really tight game. USC played a really tight game. Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. Uh, Texas lost to Texas Tech. Notre Dame has lost a couple games. When you look at certain games and certain teams, granted, yes, Michigan is better than Maryland. USC is better than 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 um than Oregon State. These a lot of these teams are better, but a lot of it comes down to execution, coaching, scheme, being able to be disciplined, and then even when you have the better players. Sometimes, sometimes that don't always work. And sometimes the talent is just not, the talent is much closer than what we think. But with Bama and Georgia and, and Ohio State, it's just not. So <clears throat> I'm going to wrap things up here. Um, hope you guys, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I want to give you guys another episode this week. I'm going to see if I can. But if I don't, if I don't give you guys another episode, you know, you're here, you're here back from me. Uh, next week to give you guys some more content for sure. But without further ado, I let you guys go. Hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm gone. Peace out. Deuces. <laughs>